Americans are noted pragmatists. Now, it served us well at times, but there's a problem with pragmatic thinking. Let's talk about it. Hey, welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. Now, one caveat about today's podcast, it's long and it's thick. I think it's good, but it's long and it's thick, so buckle in. And for this episode to be worth anything to you, there are two things that we're going to have to take into account. The first is pragmatism, and the second is McGeorge Bundy. Let's start with pragmatism. What is it? Well, if we pull out Webster's Dictionary, we're going to find a practical approach to problems and affairs, which is a pretty simplified summary of a more technical entry, which says, an American movement in philosophy founded by a couple of guys named C.S. Pierce and William James and marked by the doctrines that the meaning of conceptions is to be sought, ready for this, in their practical bearings and that the function of thought is to guide action and that truth is preeminently to be tested by practical consequences of belief. Now, a very thorough article posted in the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy provides this elementary summary, but it's a good one, that a claim is true if, and only if, it's useful. Or, or relatedly, if a philosophical theory does not contribute directly to social progress, then it's really not worth much. Now, again, and this is about the end of my rift on pragmatism, that amid other philosophical high-steppings, they add the core of pragmatism, as Pierce originally conceived, it was the pragmatic maxim, a rule for clarifying the meaning of hypotheses by tracing their practical consequences, their implications for experience in specific situations. So pragmatism, it's an emphasis on the practical outworking of ideas and thinking. And I'm going to ask you to hold on to that thought pretty tightly because we're going to come back to it and it's really important. Now I mentioned that for this episode to be worth anything to you, there are two things we have to take into account, pragmatism and McGeorge Bundy. So who is this guy, McGeorge Bundy, and why does it even matter? Well, in the context of what you're going to hear in just a minute when I play the audio clip, McBundy was the U.S. National Security Advisor to Presidents John F. Kennedy and Lyndon Baines Johnson, and he served from 1961 through 1966. Now, I'm going to give you a very short summary of McGeorge Bundy, and I'm going to limit it to five things, and they come from Halberstam. And as I give you these five things, you need to know, to me anyway, one of the best things David Halberstam does in The Best and the Brightest is to provide these many biographies or portraits of his main characters. And Halberstam will go on devoting like 10 to 20 pages to each one of these people, which to some people sounds really boring, but it helps the reader better understand both the what and the why of the Vietnam engagement during the Kennedy and Johnson administrations, which is what Halberstam's trying to help us understand in his old book to begin with. So here are five things to note about McGeorge Bundy, who is also called Mac Bundy. First, his pedigree. His great-grandfather picked six presidents for Harvard. His father was Assistant Secretary of State under Henry Stimson during the Roosevelt years. I mean, it's a pretty strong pedigree. His mom, Kay, 
was a woman from Boston who went by the last name of Lowell, which was a big deal there. She was the daughter of a lawyer and an educator. She was bright. She was dominant. She was argumentative. She knew she was from the upper class and she used that to her advantage. And Alberstam said that, you know, some of that probably rubbed off on her son. As to his education, Bundy attended Groton, which is, quote unquote, the greatest prep school in the nation. And then he goes to Yale and then he goes to Harvard, which is pretty impressive. And when he went to Harvard, he went as a junior fellow, which sounds kind of juniors to me, but it was a pretty big deal. Now, third thing about him, he was a brilliant dude. How smart was he? Well, Bundy was recognized as brilliant everywhere he went, at Groton, at Yale, at Harvard, into the presidential cabinet. But I want to share with you a story that comes from his early years in school, I think even from his grade school years, because it illustrates just how smart this guy was, even in his earliest years. Halberstam writes this, The story is told of a group of outstanding students asked to prepare a paper on the Duke of Marlborough. The next day, Bundy was called upon to read his composition in class, and he started to read, as he started to read, his classmates, they began to giggle and continued all the way through his reading of a perfectly excellent paper. Well, the teacher, pleased by the essay, but kind of puzzled by the giggles that were going on in the classroom, later asked one of the students, what was all that about? Didn't you know, said the student, he was unprepared. He was reading from a blank piece of paper. I'm like, yeah, let that sink in. This guy was a smart dude. He was class orator at Yale. He would become a teacher and dean at Harvard. I think he was 34 years of age at that time, where he was immensely popular. Fourth thing about him is his connection to JFK. Bundy and JFK both came from large families, and they both attended the same school in their early lives, though JFK was a year ahead of them. And you know how that goes. When somebody's a year ahead of you, they might as well be 10 years ahead of you when you're in high school. But the deeper connection with JFK came in 1952 at the home of a guy whose name was Arthur M. Schlesinger Jr. And then later, JFK would become a member of the board of overseers at Harvard. And that's where the relationship began to grow. And it was significant because Bundy, a Republican, was open about voting for Kennedy, a Democrat. And when JFK becomes president, he asks Mac Bundy, this really smart guy, to come and serve on his team. Which brings me to the fifth thing. I want to tell you about Mac Bundy, and that has to do with power, P-O-W-E-R. Some felt that Bundy was too much an elitist. He was a cool operator, said another. One friend said that when Bundy left Harvard, I grieve for Harvard and I grieve for the nation. I grieve for Harvard because he was the perfect dean. And I grieve for the nation because I thought that that very same arrogance and hubris might be very dangerous. And Halberstam said about McBundy, he loved power and he didn't shrink from it. Rather, the opposite was true that there was an enormous thrust for power. All right. I know I'm long, but are you still with me? So after all that background on pragmatism and McGeorge Bundy, I can finally give you the clip and my aha moment. Listen to what Halberstam says about Mac Bundy and his early years in the White House. The early White House years were golden years for Bundy. He seemed to gloss over the problems of the world 
It was a dream realized. The better for him, the better for the nation. Some of those who knew him felt that although he was not a negative figure, there was something lacking. His thinking and performance were too functional and operational. He was not considering the proper long-range perspective. Instead, he was too much the problem-solver, the man who did not want to wait, who believed in action. He always had a single pragmatic answer to a single question, and he was wary of philosophies, almost too wary. During the great Vietnam debates of 1965, he would call George Ball, a more philosophic man, the theologian. But pragmatic thinking is also short-range thinking, and too often panic thinking. A government is collapsing. How do we prop it up? Something is happening, therefore we must move. Thus, in 1965, Bundy was for getting the country into the Dominican mess, because something had to be done, and then very good at extricating us when he realized that extrication had become the problem, though, as he and the men around him would learn, not all countries were as easy to get out of as the Dominican Republic. Oh, I love that line. But pragmatic thinking is also short-range thinking and too often panic thinking. And that, that was my aha moment and I think a very insightful comment on how Bundy operated, but really how all of us can operate if we're not careful. I recently read an article in the Chronicle of Higher Education entitled Teaching in an Age of Militant Apathy by Beth McMurtrell. And it discussed the tension in higher ed between what I'm going to call, these are my words, not hers, pragmatic education. That is education to provide credentials that essentially enable one to pursue an occupation of his or her desire between pragmatic education and we'll call uh, what I'm going to call a more philosophical or holistic approach to education, or what Richard Aram terms psychological well-being, flourishing, growth, and human development that lead to fulfilling lives. So the author of this article quotes Richard Aram, who's a professor of sociology at the University of California at Irvine, who notes that, get this, this is good stuff, that there's been a discourse in society that higher education leaders have embraced, which goes something like this. Higher education is essential for future career attainment, for positive economic outcomes, and for social mobility. In other words, students come to college and they say, okay, this is largely about me getting ahead in the world. It's about economic mobility. It's largely about getting the credentials, about gaining the occupation that I want. So, Aram says, so I'm just going to focus on the courses that are about specialization for my major. And when the college says, hey, I want you to do this general education course, well, I'm not going to work very hard on that because what the heck does that have to do with my career? And if you look closely, you can see that line of pragmatic thinking that the function of thought is to guide action and the truth is preeminently to be tested by the practical consequences of belief. In other words, pragmatically speaking, higher education is essential for future career attainment. So the article, whose focus is ultimately about the concept of immersive education, continues with this. Colleges try to counter that line of pragmatic thinking by telling students that critical thinking and communication skills are important as well. 
But Aram says, but that's a pretty vague argument that isn't obvious for students to internalize and motivate their behavior. So what you see, he notes, is this widespread disengagement from the curriculum. And Aram says, for educators like me, what's missing is what education is all about. Aram says, it's about psychological well-being and flourishing and growth and human development and encouraging a set of dispositions and attitudes and behaviors that lead to fulfilling lives. In other words, it's more holistic. Now, I serve as the president of a college, and I know that our faculty are very concerned that we don't adopt a just, pragmatic thinking guide to our education and our educational decisions. In other words, they want to make sure, and I'm glad they do, that we're not thinking just What's best for economic mobility? Hey, what's going to provide credentials? What's going to increase our bottom line? What's going to enable us to stay afloat? What's going to lead to more students, more occupations? And it's not that they're not concerned about those things, but the question I'm hearing, both in this article and from the folks with whom I work, is does the drive for those practical concerns trump deeper matters of our life-on-life philosophy? Does the drive for those important practical concerns trump or hinder us from fulfilling our mission? Do they cause us to lose sight of our mission? Are we trading immediacy for long-term impact of heart and soul? In some ways, are we selling out who we are on our way to sustaining who we are and meeting the needs of the educational market? They're great questions. So what does all of this have to do with George McBundy? Remember Halberstam's comment, but pragmatic thinking is also short-range thinking and too often panic thinking. And as we'll see in this book, pragmatic thinking is not in itself poor thinking, but it has to be held in tension with a philosophical, holistic thinking that takes into account the bigger picture and the consequences of our actions today on our goals and aspirations for tomorrow. Well, let me close with a story that I first heard reading The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey years and years and years ago. Covey shares a story about a group of people are making their way through a very dense jungle and they're chopping and hacking and working their way through all the underbrush and they're getting really good at it and they're carving out a road until the leader of the group climbs up this really tall tree above the rest of the trees and he scans the horizon and then he shouts down to the people below, wrong jungle. I love that story. Improved processes, a better path to credentials, providing a means for a better income. These aren't bad intentions in and of themselves, but if in pursuing them, we miss where we're supposed to go and end up in the wrong jungle, we've done neither them nor ourselves any favor. Halberstam said, but pragmatic thinking is also short-range thinking and too often panic thinking. So test the pragmatic thinking against your mission. Test the pragmatic thinking against your vision. Test pragmatic thinking against ideals and ideas about human flourishing. Pragmatic thinking isn't necessarily bad thinking. Just make sure it's not short-range thinking or panic thinking. Because then you or I will be swapping short-term results for longer-term consequences that may 
be at odds with what we intend. And that's my thought on my walk with David Halberstam and the best and the brightest. And my question for you is, hey, what are you going to do with that thought on your walk through life today? 